So today I'm not going to take much of your time. I know that there is a lot to do. There's turkeys in the ovens. There's there's people got smokers and they're cooking uh, turkey on the smokers. And I'm probably going to call you if you are because uh, it's pretty good. But I'm not going to take most, much of your time up. <clears throat> but I think it's it's important that we we talk about our Savior. I think it's important that we identify what we are here for and why we were created. Amen. So if you would please turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. I know you've heard the story. I know that, that you've read the story, but I think it's important that we... I like this story and I like to read it as often as I can. I do throughout the year. I don't wait till Christmas to read this story. I don't, we don't wait till Christmas to read this story to our kids in our house. It's a story that I think is, uh, <clears throat> it's good all, all times of the year. It's like communion. Do this often in remembrance of me. Read this story often in remembrance of what I've done for you. So, <clears throat> sorry, my allergies, everybody, uh, I don't know. We're going through some allergy seasons. Uh, here, but uh, the 60 degrees, 30 degrees, all of it uh, is, is, is a bother right now, so excuse me uh, while I cough. Um, so yesterday, I was, I was at the house, and I was preparing for what I was going to say today, and I had been in prayer, and me and my little guy, Josiah, my five-year-old, we had a wonderful day together. Uh, my wife and, and uh, Karis and, and the family, her mom and, and whatnot, they went to the Nutcracker play and it was just me and Josiah hanging out at the house and he helped me uh, devein shrimp. He helped me, uh, he helped me to do all kinds of stuff around the house yesterday. Uh, we were making food, we were cooking, we were talking, we were building toys. Uh, but I was praying and I said, God, I need to hear your voice. I want to hear what you would have me to say to your people on this uh, Christmas Eve service. I want to know what you want me to say. And, and he looks at me as, as serious as serious could be. And he says, Dad, you got the message. And I said, what? I said, well, I got the message. And he goes, yeah, hold on. Let me go get my Bible. And so he goes and gets his Bible. And he, and he, and he says, you, you, you got the message. And I said, what are, you, what are you talking about, Josiah? What do you mean I got the message? And he opens his Bible. And this is crazy, y'all. I didn't do this, I promise you. On page 222, okay, in the Rhyme Bible, it says a special baby boy. And if you look, he's highlighted the story. He's high, it's the only thing in this Bible that's highlighted. He, he must have got a hold of one of my highlighters, and he starts highlighting the story of Jesus through the scriptures and circling the pages. And I don't know when he did this, but he said, you can borrow my Bible, Dad. You can take it tomorrow with you to church, and, and you can use it. So, so when you see him, if you see him, tell him that I, that I had his Bible. He said, you could borrow it, but you got to make sure you bring it back home. He said, I sleep with it in my bed. You got to take, you got to make sure you take it back home. So I just, I, I brought it because it's such a, it's such a, a sweet thing, but it's, it's important to, 
that, that children even know the significance of this story. I, I'm telling you, I did not read this to him uh, out of this Bible and give him a highlighter and tell him to go for it. I didn't know. It was just something that in his spirit he knew. He knew our children. I'm telling you, all of creation knows what this moment is about. All I feel the Holy Ghost in here. I know all of creation groans and has groaned for him in his return. All of creation understands and recognizes there's something different about this season. Amen. And so I'm going to read this story and I'm going to get out your hair. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Look at your neighbor and say, the days were completed. Even, even the Lord has to wait sometimes for the days to be completed, for some things to be completed for her to be delivered and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, ooh, hallelujah, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Father, I pray right now that the anointing of heaven would be upon me for the next few moments. I pray in the name of Jesus that the anointing that makes preaching powerful be bestowed upon me. I pray, Father, that you would take a coal from your altar and place it upon my lips, God, that I would profess only the oracles of heaven on this Christmas Eve morn. I pray in the name of Jesus that the hearts of the hearers would be uh, receptive. I pray in the name of Jesus that the word would come forth and bear much fruit, not just fruit, but much fruit. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Like I said, I'm not going to I'm not going to take long. You're probably wondering why it's dark. Please don't fall asleep on me in here. But uh, I want to. I wanted to take. I wanted to take the focus off of anything that would be distracting to us, anything that would take our eyes and our focus off of the true star, the true reason why we are here this morning, the true reason why we we celebrate Christmas. And so as I prepared for this, I was in prayer and I really felt like the Lord said to take the distractions away uh, because I believe, how many know that there's some distractions 
Come on right now. In the world, everything, everything that is around us can be a distraction. We listen to the news as it's distracting you from the report of the Lord. You can get on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all of these different social media sites and they take the, your attention away from the thing that is truly important. Everything that is around us and surrounds us is intended to keep and take our attention and to distract us from uh, the truth. And, and if you listen to the media and you listen to what uh, the report of the world is, it is in opposition uh, to everything that this book says and that everything that Jesus did for you. And so this morning I was uh, instructed by God to, to really make sure that there were no distractions and that we could really focus on what is at hand. And uh, over the last several weeks, Bishop has preached masterfully. Uh, Bishop has preached masterfully regarding the nativity scene. Uh, he has preached so eloquently. Uh, he's shared with us uh, in depth about the characters uh, that we read in the story that I have just read to you. Uh, he shared with us about the wise men of the Orient and how they uh, were uh, from the East and how there were many of them and that they had coffers full of uh, frankincense golden myrrh and uh, I know that we only have a few represented here this morning but it was by the thousands uh, and in fact it's, that is why when he talked about Herod uh, the great uh, that how why Herod was uh, uh, so uh, bothered by the fact that there were uh, all of these wise men uh, that had these coffers full of resources that they were going to bring this so-called king uh, we heard him talk to us about shepherds and about where uh, the shepherds were at and how uh, God sent angels to speak to the shepherds. Uh, we heard him talk to us about Mary and Joseph and as it were leading up to the birth of Jesus. But as important as all of these characters are, as important as all of these uh, characters were to the story of the nativity, uh, there was really one thing and one thing that I wanted to talk to you to this morning today about uh, as it is Christmas Eve. Uh, it's a star that we don't often think about. It's a star that we don't really talk too much about, but it is the manger. I want to talk to you for just a few moments that everybody could get back to their Christmas shopping and that you can get back to your Christmas cooking and getting your house ready and prepared for guests. But I want us to be knowledgeable and I want us to, to really think about the fact that we are hosting one guest this Christmas season that is more important than any other. I want us to talk for just a few moments from the thought, the miracle, the mess, and the message of the manger. You see, this manger, and I gotta give credit where credit is due, this manger right here is a special manger. This manger right here, my gosh, I'm gonna use this. Uh, but Arthel, how many know Arthel? Uh, yeah, Arthel, come on. Uh, he's in the children's department serving actually this morning, but I texted him this week and I said, I need you to do me a favor, Arthel. I need you to build me a manger. 
I need you to build me a manger. I'm not talking about one out of clean two by fours that you can get from the, the Home Depot or the Lowe's, but I'm talking about a real manger, something that you would see uh, 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 an animal trough, if you would, uh, something that they would eat from. And so he did a phenomenal job on this. But the reality of this is that this manger is more than a feed trough. The manger is more than just a, a, a thing among animals. The manger was more than just some wood placed together. Uh, the manger was more than that. The manger told stories. The manger, oh, if the manger could talk. If the manger could talk, I wonder what it would say. But this morning, I really just want to talk to you for just a very quick, quick moment about the, the manger. And if you're taking notes, the first uh, point in this this morning is the miracle of the manger. You say, you, you think, and you look at this, and you don't think that this is a miracle. You're like, well, the miracle of a manger. Look at this. This looks more uh, like uh, some, some, some moss and some fungus on some wood. It doesn't look like much of a miracle. But the reality is, is that the very existence of the manger tells of a greater story. Uh, the very existence of the manger testifies to the spirit of darkness that had dominion over the earth up until this point that there was a paradigm shift, that there was a paradigm shift that was about to take place. The, the miracle of the manger is that, uh, that, that, that from the fall of man in the garden in Genesis 3.14, we read, uh, so the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And here it is, verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This right here is known as the proto-evangelium. If you're taking notes, the proto-evangelium, this is the very first time that we hear the good news. This is the very first time we hear the gospel. They're still in the garden. God's already putting a plan together. Let me tell you something. That's the miracle of the manger because when we see the manger, it is the plan and the purpose of God, his will coming to pass. Uh, they were not even, think about this for a moment. When we get into a mess, oftentimes it takes a long time for us to put a plan together but but at the fall of humanity God already was out in front of it and said I have a plan I have a plan and so we see this and we read this and you see this is the basis for our Christian faith this is our base, the basis of our Christian, the curse on mankind because of Adam's sin and God's provision for a savior from sin who would take the curse upon himself. You see, this manger screams to everything and everyone that God is a God of his word. When you look at this manger, the manger says, wait a minute. What, enemy, what the enemy meant for evil, what Satan meant to destroy humanity with, this testifies of another story. This testifies of hope. This testifies of purpose. Oh, I thank you, God, for purpose. And I thank you, God, that when we align with his will, his purpose, no matter what, I'm, I'm telling you, 4,000 years from the time they believe, scholars believe 4,000 years from the time of the garden to the time of Jesus' birth, 4,000 years. 
From the time the blueprint was written to the time of fruition, the manger says God is a God of his word. How many people know that they probably would have forgot after 4,000 years? I probably would have forgot after a week. But we see God in his faithfulness, God in his word. His word shall never return void, that when he speaks a thing into existence, I'm telling you, you read it through the begats, you start to see God's handiwork, you start to see God weaving things. You can be seated up here. I know everybody, don't lock your knees up. I'm not going to have nobody fall over. But you could see the handiwork of God weaving things together as through time 4,000 years go by and he is, he is preserving a bloodline. Oh, Jesus, I thank you for the blood. You see, the manger was an announcement and the beginning of the fulfillment of over 300 prophecies that would occur in the lifetime of the king who would lie in it. You see, Alfred Edersheim found 456 Old Testament verses referring to the, a Messiah alone. That's Old Testament verses that refer to this manger and what was coming through the lineage of David. To put this into perspective, the chances of one person fulfilling just eight of these prophecies we read in this holy writ would be one in one quintillion. That's a one with 18 zeros for those who are wondering. That's just eight. Here we have 300 fulfilled. In fact, in one day, 27 messianic prophecies were fulfilled through the life of Jesus in one day. You see, he's a God of his word. And there's some people in this room that God's spoken a word over your life. And you have disqualified yourselves from that word. You have allowed the enemy to creep in. There are many times throughout scripture the enemy had tried to foil the plan of God. There are many times that we read that, that the enemy tried to interject himself into situations and foil and thwart the plan of God, but nothing can thwart the plan of God. And I'm here to tell you this morning, on this Christmas Eve morn, there are those that are in this room that have a purpose and a plan and that there's a word over your life and you yourself have disqualified yourself from the fulfillment of the purpose and the word over your life. But I come to, here to tell you today, it don't matter. It doesn't matter what you say about yourself. It's not a matter what the enemy says about you because I'm here to tell you, you have a kingdom assignment on your life. And in order for God's plan and purpose to be fulfilled in others, you have to step into your priestly role. You see, the, the manger testifies of miracles. It testifies of the fulfillment of prophecies. It testifies of the goodness of God. It testifies of how he will do things the way that others think that they shouldn't be done. If you're taking notes, I told you we're going to be quick today. The Lord told me to write this down, the mess of the manger. The mess of the manger. You see this manger here doesn't look like much, but it was the first king-size bed. You see, God is not deterred. Let me say this. I have to say this. God is not deterred by what you consider a mess. He's not deterred by what you determine a mess. 
You see, we sit here and we look at this manger and who would have thought that God, the Alpha, the Omega, the one who sits outside of time would step into time through the virgin womb of Mary and the very first thing that would hold his presence outside of Mary's arms would be this manger. No, that's not normal. That's not, that's not normal. What normal would be is when it comes to royalty, there's a whole different perspective on how a child king would come into the world. You see, when we see a king born into this world in a fashion that is diametrically opposed to what we considered uh, normal as it regards to royalty, it baffles our minds. It, in fact, oftentimes it, it baffles the religious minds. They couldn't accept him as savior because they said, surely the king of glory would not be born into this mess. You see, by the world standard, kings typically come through a monarchy, oftentimes through a long line of monarchs known as a dynasty. And in preparation for a child that would be in line to be king, their birth was a whole ordeal. For the nine months leading to the delivery, the mother was treated with much care, pampered on and waited upon. When it was time for the one-day king's arrival, the mother would move to a special room, the delivery room. And that is selected months and years prior to the home or in the home in advance. The mother would be waited upon and there would be a whole staff of people, midwives and maidservants that all had predetermined responsibilities. And after the child was born, the first to see the child would be those who were nobility. It's not what we read in the story that I just read to you. We do not read about a, a child who comes through some long line of nobility. We do not read a story of a child who, who uh, was, was, was destined through his earthly lineage to be this king uh, such as Herod or uh, Caesar. No, that's not what we read here. We do not read this thing as normal. We read of a little girl and her fiance at the time. We read this girl who was impregnated by the spirit of God, virgin still. And we read this story that I mean, think about what Joseph must have been feeling in that moment. Think about what the fear that Mary must have been stricken with. Think about the journey that they had to take. Think about all of the mess that surrounded them. They did not have any maid servants. They did not have a bunch of help. They didn't have a room dedicated for uh, this this delivery, they did not have any of those things. And in fact, they were, she was not pampered or, 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 or taken care of. She was sat on the back of a donkey and, and had to go on a journey for days and weeks to this city called Bethlehem. They didn't have, you know, do you understand what the census was? It wasn't just a census. It was to pay taxes. She's a teenager. He's a carpenter. She's pregnant. They're trying to hide the story. They don't know what to do and what to say. They're broke. 
and they're having to go pay a bill and they ain't even, they ain't even, they haven't even gone on their honeymoon. And here they are in the midst of a mess surrounded by all of this. This is the way that God chooses to bring his son into the world. You see this weathered manger. I'm, I'm so happy and I'm so glad that God doesn't look at weathered things. Things have been used for, for different reasons and that are wore out. Things that the, 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 the elements have gotten a touch, in touch with. Things that are, are warped and things that are messed up. I'm so glad that he does not look at this and then exclude himself from getting involved. See, instead of a baby's bed being the first thing to hold this tiny infant outside of Mary, God chose this weathered livestock trough. And instead of nobility being the very first thing that gets to come and see the child, he chooses shepherds. And let me just tell you all something about shepherds. They were not, uh, uh, they were not friends that you would want to keep. They were considered smelly, dingy. They were the lowest of the low. They were, beyond, they were beyond low. If there's a bottom of a barrel, they were beneath it. They were not of the tier of society that you would think would be the first guest to take a gaze upon the king of glory. Surrounded by animals and feces and smells that I could only imagine. And here she is in labor. This is before epidurals. Come on, somebody. I've seen some folk give birth without an epidural. It's like a fine line between pain and possession. But the reality is, is that this is how God chose to come into this world and be the savior to all humanity. Surrounded by a mess, Mary and Joseph are now in the presence of the savior of the world. Let me say this one more time. God is not deterred. He is not deterred by what you determine a mess. In fact, I would go as far as to say that God does his best work in the midst of a mess. Um, uh, you read through the scriptures and you see the lives of someone like Joseph who found himself in the mess of a pit and then the mess of a prison. And God says, you know what? I'm going to interject. I'm going to step in and I'm going to make him king. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make him ruler over all things uh, of Pharaoh's palace. Uh, you, see, uh, you see God's people bound in captivity, Egyptian captivity. It doesn't look like there's any hope. And then God says, you know what? I'm going to step in. And out of this bondage, I'm going to create a nation. Oh, I, I could go through the story after story after story. I read the story of Jacob and Jacob's mess, and God interjects and says, I'm going to change things around. I'm so grateful that we serve a God who looks at the mess and doesn't stand in a corner popping Prozac saying, I don't know what to do with this. No, he looks at this canvas and says, oh, I'm going to paint a beautiful picture. It's like Bob Ross. There are no mistakes, just happy little accidents. There is nothing that can keep you. There is nothing that can keep you outside of the miracle and the miraculous that God wants to 
orchestrate in your life. There is no mess. I'm going to tell you, you know, the, the reality is, is that religious people get nervous when you start talking about this. Because they think you have to have a certain DNA, a certain lineage. You have to have your T's crossed and your I's dotted. Many of the, the day disqualified Jesus because when they looked at his birth certificate, it, 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 it didn't have Joseph's name on it because he wasn't a daddy. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm talking to somebody right now. Didn't have Joseph's name on it because it was, he wasn't a daddy. And on it where it says place of birth, it didn't say Bethlehem Medical Center. It said in a barn. And because of that, oftentimes, uh, because of the mess that we are surrounded by or the mess that we're born into, we disqualify ourselves. But let me tell you something today, right now, that there is no amount of mess that God can't work through. It's where he does his best work. It's where he takes miracles. It's where he makes miracles in circumstances and situations that are of a mess. If you're taking notes, I told you we're going to be quick. We're going to be quick. The message of the manger. You know, when I was young, I had an advent calendar. Actually, my dad had the advent calendar. And when I was young, it had looked like it had already been through a couple of world wars. And I remember him pulling the advent calendar out every, uh, every Christmas season right after Thanksgiving. And it was a big deal in my house. It was just a calendar. It was an old paper thing that the windows opened and the doors opened and there was a little number you know and all that and it was nothing extravagant now these days you got lego advent calendars you have calendars that you know uh have candies in them and ever i was there was nothing like that it was just a very simple advent calendar but i remember being excited about it i remember and i had to be very careful with it because it'd be really easy to tear one of those tattered windows off or one of those tattered doors off but i remember being excited about that advent calendar i remember the anticipation uh, of of getting the nativity scene out at christmas time because at the advent was uh it, it is it's it's the nativity scene it's the preparation for the nativity it's the preparation for the manger I remember being so excited about this, and on December 31st, we would start the story. We would start the Advent calendar, and we start opening doors and day one and windows on day two, and we would begin to go through the days, and I would count down till Christmas. And then, how many had an Advent calendar? How many went then did that? Wow, we need to start a tradition in this church. But... At December 25th, that was the day that the calendar culminated. That was the day that the Advent calendar culminated. And then after that, we would wake up on Christmas morn and we would open up gifts and we would exchange gifts and we would be all excited. And I would go outside and play with my new BB gun and my sister would play with her new doll that smelled like strawberries and, and all these toys and all these things. Strawberry Shortcake, that's her name. And I remember going through all of this and then December 26th, we would begin to put it all away we would forget all about the advent calendar on december 26th the tree would come down shortly thereafter and 
we would wait a whole nother year uh, until this all came back out again. But the reality of this is, is that that calendar, the advent with uh, the story behind it and that manger, it doesn't end on December 25th. See, the advent calendar is not just a hope for the nativity. No, it tells of two things with it, and we should be excited about both. You see, the story of the manger doesn't just speak of the birth of Christ. Oh, come on, somebody. It speaks of his second coming. You see, what happens is, is we have been conditioned to put the advent calendar away and all of Christmas away, and we forget the reason for the season the rest of the year. But the, the whole purpose of the manger was his second coming. The whole purpose of his manger, the whole purpose of him coming through the line for 4,000 years, stepping out of glory. Oh, let me just tell you something. Uh, when we, we don't serve a baby who became a king, we serve a king who became a baby. Come on, somebody. And because of this, we got it twisted. We walk away from Christmas and we forget about all of this. But God has a purpose and a plan, and the story don't end with the birth. The story doesn't end after Mary has the child, and, and it, just doesn't, it doesn't end there. That's where we stop. But there's more to the story. There's more to the manger than just that. You see, the message... The message of the manger is that you have hope. The message of the ma manger is that you, you, you have access to your purpose because of this right here. Because of this, this tells of the story of the king of glory stepping into this world. And because of that, this gives you hope that you have access to your purpose, that you have access to joy, that you have access to what was otherwise off limits. You see, God has a purpose, like I said, for everybody in this room. And you do have the hope of his second coming. You have, do you realize that when you see this manger, that because of what was in that manger, you have authority over demons and principalities and powers. That there is no hell that can come against you because of who came through that manger. But there's only one way to partake of the message of the manger. Like I said, it doesn't stop at the manger. The manger tells of his second coming, but it also tells of the authority that you can walk in while you're here right now. It tells of your, your possibilities, the capabilities that God wants to bestow upon your life but it's only through the cross. It's only through his blood. It's only through 
through your acknowledgement and acceptance that he died on the cross. You see, that manger, that's just the start of the story. This wooden manger just is the start of the story that one day, 33 years later, instead of lying in a manger made of wood, that he would be hung upon a cross made of wood. You see, he died for you and me. And God has a purpose and a plan for everyone in this room. And though you may have come through a mess, though your life may be surrounded by mess, your mess that has so easily disqualified us, the mess that we disqualify ourselves with, the mess that I'm telling you, there's people that are in this room because you don't believe that you've come through the right last name. Oh, shata basando bohoshaya that you've not come through the right bloodline, that you've not come through the monarchy of certain things, I'm telling you right now that there's a hope and there is a power. Uh, there is a power of glory that is that God wants to bestow upon your life. There is a purpose that God has for you and for this city, but it can only be had by you accepting what was done on the cross, what he did for you at the cross, and allow him to begin to do the work. You see, we sterilize this gospel. We sterilize God. We think that we can only come to him if we have it all together. We think that we can only come to him as like if we had a biohazard suit on and that he's too holy for my mess. That he's too holy. I can't come into his presence because of the, the mess of my life. But let me tell you something. I am glad that I serve a God who isn't just a prophet. You see, a prophet tells you that you need to get righteous. My Savior comes to me and helps me get right. I'm glad that I serve a God who is willing to get his hands dirty in my life. A God that doesn't wait for me to get it right. A God that doesn't wait for me to get it together. A God who does not wait and I'm telling you, he'll start to use you at your yes. Stand with me. You know... Today, I know we're going to go home and we're going to have Christmas presents around the tree. I know we're going to eat a bunch of good food and have a lot of fun. But we mustn't forget what and who the true gift of Christmas was. We mustn't forget that the real reason for the season wasn't a baby in a manger, it was a man on a cross. That 2,000 years ago, when he hung there on a cross at Calvary, you were on his mind. That when you go home, this afternoon and we celebrate Christmas there's somebody in the room that's going home to a mess
Your family might be in shambles. You might be walking through a divorce. Somebody might have just walked out on you. You might go home this Christmas season and you might think that you have to spend tomorrow alone. There are some people in this room that have disqualified themselves from standing in his presence because of the mess. But if God sent his son to this earth through a virgin womb, surrounded by a mess, then why would you disqualify yourself? If he sent his son to rest in a weathered, tattered manger as a baby, then why do you disqualify yourself from allowing his presence now to rest upon you? If I preach to you today, I'm not going to come and get nobody. I'm not going to come get you. I'm not going to ask you to come down. But if your life is in the middle of a mess and you need a savior, not to just tell you how to live righteous, but to help you get it right. I want every head bowed and every eye closed right now. If you need God to move on your behalf, if you need God, if you want to partake in the message of the manger, if you want to be a part of God's story, and you are tired of living the enemy's lie, I want you real quick, I just want to know who I'm praying for. I want you just to slip your hand up when I count to three. One, two, three. Yep, I see hands, I see hands. Yep, I see that hand. I'm gonna pray a prayer right now and I want you to, to pray with me and we're gonna agree. Because today is the first day of the rest of your life. Today is the first day because this is what happens when you yield yourself unto the Lord. You've just given him permission to step into the mess. He's just waiting for you. He's just waiting for your permission. So I just want you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Father, right now, you saw the hands that were lifted all over this room. You've seen their yes. Oh, I thank you, God, that you are a God that is not willing to get, not, 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 not willing to get messy. I thank you, God, that you are willing to interject yourself and take over all of the mess that we have made. I thank you, God, right now that you've seen the hearts of humanity and their yieldedness and that from this day forward, there's a paradigm shift. 
Right now, I just ask you, Father, I want you just to ask him as I'm asking him for you on your behalf. Father, right now, take, take it all, every bit of them, Lord, every bit of them, leaving nothing unturned, Father. I pray in the name of Jesus that they would be surrounded by your glory, that they would be surrounded by your presence, that today starts the first day uh, of their purpose, them walking in their God-given purpose. And right now, I declare and decree every relationship that has tried to hold you back from this moment, I cancel the assignment of it right now. I declare and decree every relationship that has tried to keep you from this moment and walking in your purpose, there are no tentacles strong enough for God's glory. I'm telling you right now, I cancel it, we sever it by the sword of the Spirit. Yep. Woo! Right now, in the name of Jesus, there are relationships that God, I'm there, there's them, there are things breaking in this room right now. Generational curses that have tried to keep you back and outside of God's presence. I cancel it right now. Addiction is being canceled right now. Alcoholism is being canceled right I'm telling you, you're going to go home and you're going to want to put that glass of wine to your lips and you're going to have such a disgust and distaste for it. You're going to put it down and you're going to begin to, oh, drink from new wine. Just gently lay your hand on your neighbor and pray for them right now. I want you to pray for them whether they raise their hand or not. I just want you to pray for them like you would want somebody to pray for you right now. I cancel the assignment of the spirit of infirmity right now in this room. I just, I, I, I'm going to say it like the Holy Ghost is downloading it. I cancel the assignment of plagues. There's somebody in this room that you feel like you've been walking through a season of plagues. You're like, one more thing, God, are you serious? One more, th I cancel the assignment right now. For that is the message of the manger. That's the story. Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name and can we give him can we give him praise right now can we give him praise right now thank you Jesus thank you father thank you Lord